Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back, everyone. We're glad to be back. We made it safely back from Mexico. And we are now back in the comforts of our own home recording studio, a.k.a. our closet. Missing the vast, empty beaches of Mexico. Yes. Wishing yes. wishing I was still there. It was very enjoyable. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did have a lot of people reach out, though, actually, after oh, we good. recorded in Mexico. Good. I had a lot of people ask, how was your trip? So <laughs> anyway, to all of you who have messaged me, it was well. It was good. Well, and also, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. And we are at the end of May. The hard part for us is every month is Mental Health Awareness Month. Every day. Every day. Do you remember being a kid? I mean, it must have been elementary school, but I remember asking my mom, like, why do you get a Mother's Day? Why don't I get a kid's day? And she's like, (laughs) "Uh, LOL, Mikkel, every single day of your life is kids day. So yes. it feels a little bit like that to me because this is something we deal with all day, every day, so heavily in our family. So it's like, I'm like, oh, you all are just like joining us for the month. Welcome. Welcome to the party. The thing that I really do like about it, though, is I see a lot of articles and a lot of postings and a lot of other people bringing awareness to, which I really do enjoy. And so we yeah. we joke and laugh that this is every day for us, but I love that there are so many other people bringing it into the front of awareness for everybody. So thank yeah. you to all of the people who really reach out and make an extra effort during this month. So well, thank you. Well, you see more news stories. Like yeah. I just picked up an article the other day about end of the school year and how it affects mental illness and, and the mental health of the students. And so it's just like everywhere you turn, it seems like somebody's writing an article and putting a little twist on mental illness. So yes, we do appreciate it. We do appreciate it. And coincidentally, this lovely woman that they interviewed in the article is a guest that we're going to be having on. She studies teens and suicide. She's an educator. So yes. she'll be on in the next few weeks. So we're we super excited, excited to have her. And we found her because Mental Health Awareness Month highlighted her article. That's right. Yes. So thank you, Mental Health Awareness Month of May. You will be participating in a very important event coming up. Yes. I was interviewed for this maybe a month ago. It was for all of our trips, but I had a gal reach out who is the CEO and founder of the organization Scattering Hope. And her name is Crystal. And she started this organization after she lost her sister to suicide. And so the organization is essentially set up to be a support and help to people who have lost their loved ones to suicide. So her summit, she's doing an online virtual summit, and there are 20 different guest speakers. And the virtual summit is going to go from July 11th to July 24th. And every day she's going to highlight a different speaker. And I was asked to be one of the guests and one of the speakers. She does so much work behind the scenes for this. She also is going to be on to kind of talk about her organization and what she offers and what she does, in addition to the Scattering Hope side of it, where it's specifically geared to people who have lost someone to suicide. She also founded a sister company called Owl and Thistle, and that focuses on the prevention of suicide. And she actually has a lot of really 
cute and cool gift box sets and different things that you can send and offer and give mm. to help support people. So it's a really cool organization and work that she's done. And the name of the summit is Healing After Suicide. And like I said, it's a virtual one. We'll be having her on, so we'll definitely be promoting it more. But uh, but yeah, that also that interview also happened in the last, I don't know, three weeks, four yeah. weeks. So there's a lot of exciting things going on. Interspersed in all of this, we had, Sam had a major uh, ordeal, <laughs> shall we this call is, it? This is our family update. This is our family update. Yeah. So this is, how many weeks ago? And this is a while back. It was, well, it was like four weeks ago. Four there weeks were a lot ago. of things happening all at once. And I remember yes. being like, oh, we definitely have to tell people this story, but it's been a hot minute. So <laughs> the, the so, story's resolved itself and everyone's so, alive. It was Friday night. Friday night. Yeah. And you and I, it was late and we were just getting ready. We're ready for bed, winding down for the night. And uh, do you want to explain <laughs> how we became aware of this? Yes. Yeah, so we're laying in bed, relaxing, and I get a text saying, thank you for checking into the emergency room at Banner Ironwood Hospital. And I'm like, wait, wait what's what? happening? Where are all the kids? <laughs> what's happening? Right. The other two kids live out of state. It certainly right. can't be them. And Sam is out with his friends that night. So mm. we... Process of elimination. Process of elimination. Not only that, we have several emergency room experiences with Sam yes. over the years. So this is not a surprising situation I think in any way, shape, or form. we talked about having a punch card uh, for <laughs> Sam. We... Five visits have. and you get the sixth free. <laughs> we have. So I get this text. I immediately call his phone and his friend... Guy answers the phone and he's like, Hey, Mrs. Buck. And I said, Hey, what's going on? I just got a text that Sam is checked into the emergency room. And he's like, Don't worry about it. We've totally got him. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and how old is Kai? I don't know, 20. Yeah. So and they've got it all under control. They've got it all under control. And I'm like, Okay, glad to hear. So what happened? Why don't you tell me what's going on? Don't worry, Mrs. Buck. We've got this all under control. We've got Sam. I'm like, okay, you're making me w more worried. Let's try again. Kai, what happened and why is he in the emergency room? Don't worry, Mrs. Buck. We've got this. We've got it all under control. I'm and like, by this okay. point, you actually are worried. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I wasn't as worried before and now I'm way more worried. How serious is this? What's going on? So I get off the phone with Kai. We get up and get dressed and then I get a call from uh, a family friend their oldest son, Colton, has been friends with Sam since he was like eight years old. Colton actually has been accompanied him to every single emergency room visit yes. up to this point in his life. So somehow so, <laughs> their family is always calling our yes. family. It's never the other way around. No, it's always no. it's always them calling, uh, by the way, uh, Sam's in the emergency room. So anyway, their dad gives me the update. What happened? They were playing pickleball, a relatively innocuous and... Mm -hmm. And uneventful and low-risk activity. And the ball got knocked over the fence. And instead of going through the gate, Sam climbed up the 15-foot fence and jumped down the other side, except it was a wire fence. And he grabbed the top of the fence. And then as he jumped down, the hand caught on the wire and literally ripped from the palm all the way up to his fingertip. And it was disgusting, disgusting. So... Yeah. Yes. So we hurried down to the emergency room and that's what happened. He was so lucky. We'll, we'll uh, curb the rest of the story because it's long and entertaining also. Long story short, we he stitched it all up. There's a ton of stitches. He didn't end up choosing to do hand surgery. There was some nerve damage, but there was no tendon rippage. So that's exciting. It's healed up nicely. He's in physical therapy. There's some cool, really gory pictures 
that I did post on the family Instagram page. If you're queasy, don't go look. If you're mm. interested, like I have a ton of nurse friends who separately reached out and they were like, hey, do you have any pictures? I don't know if this is creepy and weird, but can you send me pictures? <laughs> like, yes, it is creepy and <laughs> it weird. It is creepy and weird, but... but I understand that this is fascinating and interesting to you. It is for me too. So, yes. He's recovered nicely. He actually went back last night for the first time rock climbing, and it's only been four weeks. So it's yes. a bit miraculous. We're very happy to report. But yes, go check out the gory scar. And you and him actually have matching scars on your hands. Yes. Yeah. Mine is from a flag football injury where I actually tore the tendon and had to have surgery. And uh, Sam's is from actually tearing it on a fence. So, but yeah, yeah in the palms Super of our hands, cool we've got matching zigzag father son scars. Yeah. It's like a real bonding experience. It is. Anyway, that's, yes, that's our happy family update. The Sam is back diving and back rock climbing. Yes. Even with his gory. <laughs> injury. So now everyone is up to date. We can start into our topic today. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and... we should start with the meme of the week. Oh, we forgot the meme. Okay, yeah. go ahead. The meme of the week is from Snarky Mommy, which we love her. She also has a lot of really funny memes. She says, I was at a store and heard someone ask someone else how they were doing. And the person responded, I don't even know and walked away. I've honestly never felt more connected to a complete stranger. <laughs> I don't even know how I'm doing, man. I don't even know. All right. So today we're going to talk about a listener question that uh, asked you, you know, what are the different types of mania and essentially why are they bad or how do you support someone? We've had a couple questions kind of surrounding this lately. And it's also been a discussion that I've been having with uh, Joel, yeah. our best friend, Joel. And the question relates to, like, what are the different types of mania? And most importantly, how do you recognize hypomania in particular? Because it's very difficult to spot. So how do you recognize when somebody is in that hypomanic stage? And what can you do to help? Because it's really, really tricky. So why do they call it hypomanic? Instead of what? Manic? Manic. manic? There, there are three different stages of mania. And they kind of are going up according to degree. So the first stage is hypomanic. And people like me who have bipolar type 2 typically just experience the hypomania. I've never had a full-blown manic episode. And I've never been uh, to the higher manic phase where you experience delusions and, and things like that. It's more specific to bipolar type 1. So is it most likely when people are talking about friends or relatives that are manic, it's hypomanic? They're probably talking about hypomania. Yeah. And the thing is, hypomania is, in some ways, it's really, really awesome. I know after we had Kendra, Karen on, this was a while back, but talked about recognizing the symptoms of mania. And she's bipolar type 1, so her mania manifests a little bit different and looks a little bit different. We talked afterwards and I was speaking so fondly of my periods <laughs> when I'm in hypomania and so nostalgic and missing them so much. And then we had to do a follow-up episode about the downsides of it. Right. Because like when you're manic, when you're hypomanic in particular, there's a state of euphoria and this feeling of it's farther than self-confidence. It's grandiosity, really. Yeah. And you are not seeing things clearly even though you think that you're invincible and you're a little more brilliant than everybody else and a little more accomplished and a little more capable than other people around you, you really think that you're better than everybody else. And it's dangerous because sometimes decisions made when you're in that hypomanic phase 
can be pretty reckless and lead to consequences on the other side. And when you're hypomanic, that really is the stage where the most damage happens to your relationship and manic Mm -hmm. because you're super agitated and frustrated with everybody else. You really lack compassion and understanding for anybody else. And even most people are very unaware when they're hypomanic. And so it's a really difficult spot to recognize, but it's also a really difficult spot to try to help and support in because you literally can't talk to somebody who's hypomanic or manic and tell them that. Yeah. So mania is really an abnormally elevated mood change. Right. And one of my questions that I got was, how do you recognize that? And I think the answer to that is it's different than what they typically behave like. It's slightly different. And this, frankly, was a challenge as our kids were going off, moving out into adulthood. We've lived with them. We know and recognize what their normal range of mood swings is because we've lived with them. We have lots of experience. But you move out, you know, you find yourself in different situations where you may or may not know somebody else that well. And so it's easy to misunderstand and think, oh, this is just their personality. When no, they're typically reasonable, typically make good decisions, but it's hard to recognize that if you don't know somebody that well. And so the question I got was from a parent wondering about their child who lives out of state, young adult, and not quite sure what to do because she suspects he's hypomanic by decisions that are being made, but nobody surrounding him is aware of this or responding in any way that she feels like is, is helpful or appropriate. She's pretty concerned. Yeah. Well, and the problem is that your mood, I mean, typically can be low. And so an elevated, even if it's abnormally elevated, it's a welcome reprieve yeah. from, you know, the... Like, finally, finally, I'm not in that awful state anymore. Yeah. So it has, you know, its benefits and there, there's a reason why people might enjoy it. But yeah, along with it, like you talked about, comes, you know, a feeling of invincibility There can be lack of sleep. There is this uh, meme that I saw. I can't find it. I've been scrolling through the phone all morning trying to figure out where I saved it at, and I can't find it anywhere. But I died laughing when I saw it. It literally was like, all the things I say when I'm hypomanic. Like, I'm the hottest person on the planet. There's nobody who's ever been as smart as me. Like, there were so many different examples, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I've literally said every single one of those things. So have some of the kids. Every single one of those quotes come from us. And I was talking to Max a little bit earlier. Um, Sam and I were out Monday and I was really grumpy. I was having a really bad day. And so he was trying to pet me up. And one of the things he does is trash talks me. And it just gets me out of my head and makes me laugh. It makes me laugh so much. So he was trash talking about how... I don't know. I had made some comment and he's like, well, you're not really the one with the brains. I'm the more beautiful one. So therefore my brain works better. That means I'm a lot smarter. So I'm really the one who should be talking. You should be listening to. I think that that sense of humor might be specific to our family because of the mental illness experiences. Like, obviously we know that's not true. And it's really just a parody and a little bit of sarcasm that we think is so funny, but these really hit on elements of, of hypomania, especially. And that's, why I think it's so funny. And you talk about these mood swings, but I've also noticed uh, the opposite. When you're in a down cycle, your brain is telling you the exact opposite. 
Yeah. I'm a terrible person. I'm the worst, you know, at this. And all you see is all the problems and all your deficiencies and weaknesses. And so you go from that to then swinging to mania where it's the exact opposite and you can accomplish anything and you're the smartest. And Well, frankly, it feels so much better to be in that spot. But the problem is there's a fine line between having self-confidence and belief in yourself, which is a good thing and a healthy thing. And that's what we want. Mm -hmm. Crossing over to the point of hypomania where you lack compassion, you're not willing to listen to anybody else. And the decisions you're making are poor decisions. Right. You don't you feel like you're above everybody else. I think that really is the key. There's no compassion or listening and you feel like you're smarter and above everybody else. And anybody who can't keep up is just annoying you. And I remember this is another funny thing that we say in our family that I, again, I think might be specific just because of our experiences. But it's you, you and Ella say this a lot. Excuse you. You're in my way. Excuse you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mind? Excuse you. And it's that whole mentality really you say it in jest and it's like you've never said that seriously right Right. it's just a joke and we know that it's just a joke but when you're hypomanic and mania and in those phases that is a genuine belief it's a fact it's not even just you suspect like it's a fact everyone else is stupider than you are they're just (laughs) stupider i'm reading a, a book about a mental illness account i follow his experience with his whole bipolar breakdown And one of the quotes he said in the book was so funny to me. He's like, frankly, it was frustrating talking to other people because they couldn't keep up and they were just stupider than I was. (laughs) And I started laughing out loud. So this was a serious part of the book. And I started laughing out loud because literally I have felt those things. I'm like, why does everyone have to be so stupid? Why why can everybody not be as smart as I am? Well, and to give an example, I know, you know, when you're hypomanic, having to explain something more than once Uh is just beyond <laughs> like more than what i can deal with i could tell it tell it to you once <laughs> if you need any clarification you're an idiot if you need to hear it again there's something wrong with you and i'm i'm you know being a little bit facetious you're not being facetious because but... <laughs> literally this happened this morning as we were preparing for our episodes <laughs> the other thing like another reason that that happens is because when you're manic, your brain works. I can't remember the stats. I should have pulled up the stats on that, but it's like eight times faster. You have eight times more thoughts than a normal functioning, healthy brain, right? And so when I explain things, I'm explaining them eight times faster and it's all very truncated. So it's not like it's a full explanation. It literally is like one sentence, two sentences. What? You can't extrapolate everything I mean from that. What is your deal? Keep up, man. And that's the thing is you believe that you explained it thoroughly Mm -hmm. because in your head it was going so fast. In my head, I went through it five different times and I can't believe you didn't absorb that. So just by sitting by me. And then what the other person hears on the other side is this truncated version of, (laughs) and you're like, okay, I, I'm not sure I'm following. (laughs) You definitely are not making sense right now. (laughs) It's just, you know, hard to, you just have to recognize that. And so you can you know, slow down and explain. Yeah. It's very hard to do that though. It is very hard when your brain is moving that fast and I'm not trying to do it to be a jerk. Although when I'm able to step outside myself and sometimes I hear my responses and even this morning, I'm like, uh, I really didn't mean for that to sound so grumpy. And I realized that it did. So racing thoughts and ideas and rapid talking are part of hypomania. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Something else that I think is believing there are issues or things or certain ways when they're not. 
Another aspect of hypomania is false beliefs and perceptions. Mm-hmm. And in your head, they are absolute facts. Yes. They're givens. And, and I've noticed that with you during hypomanic episodes, that you'll believe that things are a certain way, or a conversation went a certain way, a relationship is a certain way. Your brain is sort of telling you things that may or may not be true, and it's hard to differentiate that and understand that this is a hypomanic episode. This is not, you know, a a root, a deep-rooted problem. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's why, you know, you're a sounding board. And I know early on we had an episode where we talked about logicking your way through something. And it's very hard to do that if if someone, like you and I have years together, right? We've been married for over 25 years now. So, woohoo. Nice. Nice. So you and I have a lot of experience and we know each other very well because of that. But if there's a new relationship or if somebody, really if somebody is like newer to mental illness and maybe not understanding everything that comes along with that, when the person is experiencing mental illness and especially hypomanic and manic, there's really a belief that, wow, things are really, really hard with us all of the time. But I feel like once that state is over and they're back into a normal state, our relationship is happy and healthy again. But until you recognize that, like for me, I know once I recognize that as being part of hypomania and once people around me, like you, you've been around me a long time, you just have the history of knowing, I know you feel like this when you're hypomanic and manic, but that's not the way things really, really are. So, because when you feel good, it's not like this. But when you're hypomanic, you don't remember any of those things. People are saying, well, I enjoy hypomania or mania because I get so much done. Uh Examples, I think about times in the past where you just had this ambition and just get it done kind of attitude that nothing was going to stop you. When I literally had no skills to back it up. Yes. Are you referring to my Barb the Builder moment under the closet in Las Vegas? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a definite moment where Mikkel decides to uh, turn the vacant area uh, under the stairs into a playroom. Yes. So, you know, they had drywalled it off, right? There's all of this empty space because it was uh, U-shaped stairs, right? So... The closet was straight, so there were two sections of stairs with vacant area underneath. I have no building skills. Wasted space. Totally wasted. Some moron did it. It could be used for so much more. Totally a moron, right? (laughs) I decided I'm going to build something in there. I have no tools. I have no tools. I have no experience. This is back when you actually have tools now. I have lots of tools now because I realized I really like to do stuff like that. But back then. But back then I used a kitchen butcher knife. You came home from work and you're like, uh, what's happening here? And I have the butcher knife and I've like hacked a giant hole in the drywall i'm like no worries i'm building a playroom <laughs> and you're kind of like wait uh, what how what? do you know how to do this what? you we... don't and so we we hadn't talked about it no we, we i just i'm like oh this a is plan. a really good idea hack 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 <laughs> and i actually had a listener this was a while ago a listener talk about when she was in her house she was in a manic stage and the carpet was just like driving her batty and insane because she felt like it was dirty she literally ripped out all the carpet in her house and her husband came home and was like uh, what is happening here? And they didn't have a plan or money to replace the carpet. So literally they had like no cement carpet. floors and no carpet for months while she tried to find a solution. But when you're manic, it seems like a really good idea. You're not understanding that you're not thinking through things logically 
and reasonably. Right. So. And, and you're just try, you're solving problems. Yeah, you're solving problems. You're like problem move aside, mode. move aside. I'm gonna fix the situation. I got I'm the energy. This. I got the mental toughness to do this. Right. And I'm just gonna take care of business. And those situations, in all honesty, are pretty low stakes. Right. So yeah, we had a hacked up drywall. I did figure it out, by the way. Yeah. So and we did end way, up with a super cool playroom under the closet, and it functioned properly. Yeah. And then I got tools, and then I got the skills to back it up. So next time I could legitimately do a good job with it. But, I mean, those are low-stake situations. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, hole into the wall, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you don't have a carpet. It's a bigger deal, but also it's not life-changing. But there are so many times when you make, when you're in hypomanic or manic stages and you make decisions that really are reckless decisions with work, with relationships, with life choices that are long-term right. and you're not thinking through them clearly. And so that's a huge danger of hypomania and mania is making those choices that have long-term consequences. Well, and the other, I think, more deeper problem is that it can affect your relationships. If you're married, it can affect your marriage. If you have, you know, your parents, your siblings, your children, it can affect all of those relationships, mainly because you're in get it done mode and everybody else is in your way. Yeah. And that mentality doesn't bode well for relationships. Well, and, and also in addition to that, if you don't recognize that you're hypomanic or manic, if you're not recognizing that it can be frustrating for other people. I was reading an article from bipolar psychologist and one of the things she talks about is the frontal lobes. When you're in a manic phase, the frontal lobes, which is kind of like the, she explains it as the executive functioning, like the CEO of your brain. That's where those frontal lobes calculate risks and consequences and make plans. And all of those things are like higher level thinking skills. But the frontal lobes of your brain are literally shut down when you're manic. That's why decisions can seem so impulsive. That's why they can seem illogical and, and maybe be a little bit reckless because the front of your brain that makes those logical and reasonable choices isn't working. Yeah. And that's a scientific, those brain scans next to each other are fascinating to look at, but that's a scientifically proven thing. There's right. another really funny meme for beautiful bipolar. The meme says, me spicing my week up with poor life choices and a dash of self-destructive behavior. And I think this was my listener question, the mom that was kind of like, what do I do when I see this happening? Because there are a lot of things that are helpful and are not helpful to say. And there was a big article on that. I don't remember the reference on this one. But essentially, things that you shouldn't say to somebody who's manic or hypomanic. And some of those things are, have you talked to your doctor? Are your meds doing okay? <laughs> I feel like you might be manic. And I realized, like, as we were researching some of this stuff, I have absolutely stepped in it on some of these things because I feel like I understand mania more than 99% of the people because I've experienced it. I know what this feels like. And so when I see this happening, especially when it's reckless things or illogical decisions or even just impulsive decisions, it's hard for me because I understand, like, I understand that it's mania, but the person may or may not understand that that's mania. And so then by saying that, it feels like I'm not being supportive or I'm not being understanding. Or I know a, a comment is, this is me. Why don't you just let me be my true self? Like I'm just a spontaneous, impulsive person. And that's awesome. But you also have to recognize maybe it's a little bit of mania. And so what do you do? 
What do you do when you're the loved one and you're in that choice? How do you best support? That was my listener question. How do I best support? I think one of the hard things, though, is if you can't bring these things up and say, I feel like this is happening because you're manic, or it might be a good idea to put a pin in this and wait till this cycle might pass, like my listener with her son, she's a little bit worried about some of that. If you can't bring that up until they're out of a manic stage, what is the best way to support? I know for me, like when I'm manic, the best way to support is tell me, you're so awesome. You're right. You're the smartest person on the planet and everybody else is idiots. All of your decisions are brilliant and it's all going to work out because you're superhuman, right? That's what I want to hear. But is that necessarily the best thing and healthiest thing for me to hear? And the answer is no. So where's what do we do with that gap? Do you have any recommendations then? What's the right way to support in hypomanic? Because this is what I want to hear, but it may not be the best thing for me to hear. Well, I feel like when people are hypomanic, they don't want any input. Yeah, you're right. No input. They don't want any. And so talking or trying to address the issues while they're hypomanic, I, I think is sort of a waste of time and could maybe do more damage than, than helps. Because really during hypomania, you can cause damage in relationships. You know, the other person can't just be expected to take it. We had a, another listener question about that, where they felt like when their sibling was uh, hypomanic, that there was a lot of mean things that were said. Yeah. A lot of hurt. Really extreme. Yeah. Hurt feelings. And and the other person felt like they just had to take it. You have to understand, like, some of these comments you might have to let roll off your back. Verbal ab abuse, you don't have to let roll off your back. That absolutely yeah. is not something that you can or should put up with. But you're not wrong in that you can't bring anything up. And this is something I've even been talking to Joel when I've been in with my meetings about is him saying, you know what, if you're manic, you can't solve problems right now. You really have to wait yeah. for the, the mania to be gone before you can solve the problems. And so the real challenge is, can you have those conversations when the hypomania disappears? And because those conversations need to happen, otherwise the relationship is going to be damaged. And yeah. you can't just expect that the relationship is going to continue and to thrive if those you know, issues aren't addressed at some point. It doesn't have to be right then. Right. You're going to have to give it a minute. You're going to have to wait till it's a more opportune time. I think another component of the hypomania and mania also is maybe on the outside, you don't understand that inside my brain, it is like a screaming fireball plummeting <laughs> from the sky to earth. It feels like that inside my brain. It feels so out of control. And it reminds me of another thing I saw posted that says, don't bother walking a mile in my shoes. That would be boring. Spend 30 seconds in my head and that'll freak you right out. <laughs> and I, I feel a little bit like that. It's We've talked about it before. It's really hard to be lovely on the outside when you feel so out of control on the inside. And so there have to be those precautions that you put in place. So there is a certain amount of understanding how difficult it is, but there's also another amount of the person with mental illness I have to be aware when I'm hypomanic. I have to be aware when I'm edging towards the higher side of mania that I recognize it. And boy, an apology goes a long way. And also stopping in your tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I would think, you know, from my experience, I've started to realize over the years to recognize the hypomanic episodes and to realize when something is said that might be offensive 
let it roll off my back for the time being, knowing that we'll come back and address it. And it is cyclical. And so it's not a crisis. It's, it's temporary. Then when the hypomania goes, then, you know, a lot of times you're aware of it and will apologize and it's fine, but you have to address them at some point. Well, I feel like it's also worth mentioning because this sounds like it just like I freak out and scream and then you and then I say sorry and you forgive me. It, and it's right. not like that. In the very beginning, when this was first manifesting and we had no idea what was happening, like there was a lot of emotional spill out. That was a really hard time, well, but that is no longer the case. And I think to clarify, just so people don't misunderstand, you're not verbally abusive. You no. don't like lose it and yell and scream. No, what I'm I do talking not. about is just little, little things where my clipped comments. Yeah, I mean, if if somebody is lashing out, that's not okay, and that no. needs to be dealt with. So that's not what we're talking about here. It's just more of the typical marriage things where somebody says something just kind of hurts the other one's feelings. Yeah. Those are the things we're talking about. Cause in the beginning yeah. there was like those emotions were so big and I had no idea what to do or how to control it. Yeah. But I had to learn those skills. Our marriage would not have survived otherwise. Right. Nor would my relationships with people. And I have a lot of very happy, healthy relationships with people around me. So that no longer happens, but I had to understand this is a symptom of mania and hypomania. And understanding that, like, I know I feel like this right now, but that is not true. These things are not true. Another interesting thing we learned doing some research is that the fight or flight response is triggered during hypomania, which, you know, explains a lot because you're on high alert. Yeah. Everything and everyone is sort of viewed as, as a, threat, a threat. Really? Everyone's a threat and everything's and, a threat. And your job is to defend those threats. Right. And that's why those responses aren't typical. We had another listener situation when people talk about why is mania dangerous? And sometimes these reckless decisions or just impulsive decisions can have very long-term consequences. Our listener uh, ended up leaving her husband and it then was not repairable after that, yeah. even though it was during a manic episode. So that's why it's so important to, to understand I know I feel like this right now, but is this the truth or is this part of my hypomania or mania? You've got to have a counselor and you've got to have people around you who know you very, very well. So that way they're not just like, yeah, your ideas are brilliant. You're a thousand percent right. Whatever. It really needs to be approached with a dose of caution. And I know that that's a really frustrating thing when I'm in my hypomanic state is I don't want somebody to respond to me with a dose of caution. Yeah. But they're doing that because they love me and care for me and want to make sure my impulsive decisions are not going to have long-term damaging consequences for me. And so that's one of the reasons you want to keep the hypomania and the mania in check and not embrace it because you'll make decisions and during that time period. You know, mm -hmm. we like you mentioned, we've know people who have left their spouse uh, during a period of hypomania. A lot of times financial, like a lot of crazy financial decisions right. are made because your inhibitions are also part of that frontal lobe. So when your inhibitions are gone, there's a lot of times sexual promiscuity and we know marriages that that has happened. A lot of indiscretions have happened mm. when you're in the manic phase and that yeah. is not who you are, but it's really difficult when you're living with somebody to know, is this who they are? 
especially if it's like a new relationship, right. you know, a way somebody you, you don't have a life experience with. Is this their personality or is this something that I should be worried about to try to make sure that they're safe? Well, and there's also examples um, of people committing suicide during hypomania, mm-hmm. which is I remember surprising. our doctor uh, a while ago talked to me and said, really, when you're hypomanic and manic, that's one of the most dangerous phases. And yeah. you would think the so much opposite. more suicide happens during depression. And it does. But it was just so surprising to me to hear that the mania was equally as dangerous. So, yes, those are some of the reasons why you you may want to tone down and not embrace mania and hypomania. It's not all great. Mm-hmm. There are aspects of it where you, you can accomplish more things and you can uh, achieve more. Mm-hmm. Um, but relationships are damaged a lot of times. And they're perceived really incorrectly. Yes. So, yeah, that's true. So, in response to my listener's question, what does she do to support her son? Get professional help. Go talk to a counselor, do everything you can to be there and support them, and maybe address the issue at a later time when they're feeling better. Yeah. And I think, you know, for you, from what you've told me, you've just started to recognize hypomania for what it is. Well, that's why my whole mantra is give it a minute. Right. Anything that comes up, give it a minute. I have to like solidly feel like that for a couple weeks to a couple months, depending on what it is, before I'm going to act on it. And I didn't know that. When, when, you know, 20 years ago, when we first started experiencing this. So I feel like, you know, before change can be made, the person experiencing the hypomania needs to understand, number one, what it is that Mm -hmm. they're experiencing. And number two, want to change it. Right. Because if you don't understand or you actually like it, then you're going to have problems. So um, I don't know. Do you have any advice for people on how to learn about it? Yeah, it's hard, but you got to listen and consider the response of the people around you who genuinely love you. And hopefully you're surrounded by many people in your life who genuinely love you and want to support you. And you really need to listen, even if it's hard to hear. But also go see a professional counselor, study mm-hmm. about mania, read about the signs. And another invaluable thing is asking people around you. I, I hate this one too, but it's really important. <laughs> are there things that I do when I'm hypomanic that are difficult, that create problems between the two of us? Are there things that I do when I'm manic that are concerning to you? And right. why do you respond? I think it's so important to understand, okay, I see you responding to me in this way and it's really frustrating to me and these are the reasons why. And then on the opposite side, you also say, okay, when this is happening, this is how I see you responding. And it's more a sharing of things so that we can come up with solutions together. Rarely does it work when somebody comes in and says, here's what's going on. Here's what you need to do to fix it. Boom, boom, let's go. And that's totally the tendency when you're in any type of manic phase. So, And to the spouse or the family member or whoever else is on the outside that's trying to help, I would say develop some additional compassion. I mean, they are struggling with something that's very difficult. And you might think this is not hard. You just, if you want to, I think you were reading an article that was talking about sometimes we perceive symptoms of mental illness as just bad behavior. Right, just bad behavior. And And you you respond very differently if it's somebody's exhibiting bad behavior versus someone's exhibiting signs of mania. Right. 
So, and, and they just, look almost identical, and that's why you have to know this person really, really well. Yeah. To, so just to know understand. this is not intentional bad behavior by your spouse or your child or your parent or whoever. They're, it's a symptom of mental illness, and you can work through it, mm-hmm. but just have a, an additional level of compassion while you're working yeah. through it. And if you're the one with mania understand how important it is to get that self-awareness so that you can protect and keep the relationships around you healthy because you're going to want all the people that you can to love and support you. You're going to need that as you go through this. So you got it, warriors. You got it, cheerleaders. You can do this. (laughs) Should we do a little cheer? One, two, three, boom. I don't know what the cheer is going to be, but (laughs) it just feels like it was a rah-rah moment, right? I just kind of went with it like, yeah, woo. (laughs) So... (laughs) Well, thank you for your listener questions. We love to answer things that that are genuinely difficult and challenging in the best way that we can. And we're going to have some more professionals on to answer some more of these in more in depth. So we're excited about that and to be able to bring that to you as well. If you have topics that you would like to see covered or questions specifically that you have, you can submit them on Instagram at Thriving With Mental Illness. If you like this podcast, rate it and share it with a friend. For realsies, rate it, rate rate it. It comes up more when you rate it. So thank you so much for being here and we will see you next time. See you next time.